John, are you a jealous person? You know, Tim, I think about that a lot. Sometimes I catch myself comparing myself to other people, maybe other families, other people's successes. And I wouldn't say I'm jealous, but the thoughts creep in. Why Why do you care so much then? Why, why does that even matter to you? That is a great question. And maybe during today's episode, we can get to the bottom of it. Yeah. Today, we are going over the book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. And instead of saying fuck, we are going to be saying the word Frank. So let's roll the uh, intro and get into it. And now it's time for some midweek thoughts. I feel like we should know the author's name of the book. <laughs> yeah, it is Mark Manson. I knew it was something Mark. Yep. Anyway. Marky Mark. Yes, Mark wrote a book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Frank. Frank. And even though I know that's the word and that's the author, we'd be saying that an awful lot. And sometimes there's kids in the car. You just maybe don't want to hear it. That's fine. We don't want to alienate you. But then we're probably alienating all the people that are like, no, just say it. But Frank is a funny word. It reminds me of hot dogs. Yeah, it reminds me of Kevin's uncle from Home Alone. <laughs> uncle Frank. Wow. Because he fits the bill of somebody. Oh, that is true. That is true. He's the role model. Let's talk a little bit about this book that that we both read. Yeah, I definitely struggle with giving a Frank. I always wondered why I do so much. People will gloat and boast and say, I don't give a crap what they think about me and what they say. But almost in making that firm statement, that is a saying that you do care somewhat because you you care so much that you had to say something that mm-hmm. you don't. <laughs> yeah, you're thinking about what they're thinking about you. Therefore, that almost makes you caring what they think. It's kind of like a, I don't know what you would call that, but. Yeah. So I asked you about jealousy. Jealousy is comparing your life or comparing your situation to another situation and longing for that wishing that was your situation yeah or or even not to cut you off there like i hear that and i'm like that sounds like envy too and envy and jealousy are almost two comparable things brothers and sisters of each other whereas i think think jealousy is kind of the same thing but it would be more like if there's something you have or that you even had that you're no longer a part of or that even you're still a part of and you see another member of that party Uh, doing something with some other person or thing and you could be like wait why why aren't they doing that with me so it's like like you've tasted it and you don't have that taste anymore and you uh, want that. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Or like the most common example, obviously, is within a relationship dynamic within a couple. Yeah. Where um, like if I would catch my wife, you know, putting her hand on some other guy during casual conversation. Now, she doesn't do that. or I've not noticed. I'm not. <laughs> that is not an issue. But I might be like, whoa, what's that? And I'd start to get a little jealous and uneasy. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's because I haven't gotten that touch in a while. And this did not actually happen. I'm just creating <laughs> an, an example. Wondering why am I not getting that touch too? Yeah. Um, sort of thing. So they're really... Not that it matters. They're really similar and almost the same. So in this book, he goes into jealousy a little bit, and this all kind of ties into contentment. John, you want to share a quick story about what he talks about when it comes to contentment and jealousy? There's a pretty famous band, and because they're so into like their name and their rights and everything like that, yeah, Italica May is the band. <laughs> I don't want to accidentally say it. Wow. Like, you can't say our band name on your podcast. It's Metallica. All right. Metallica. And when they first started, they, one of their, they let go of their drummer, uh, Dave Mustaine. And he was really upset about that. So upset that he wanted to form a 
Was uh, it their drummer? Uh, I think it was their drummer. They let go of a member. I can't know. Yeah, I might be wrong. Might not be their drummer. They let go of Dave Mustaine. And Dave got really upset, and he formed another band, uh, Megadeth. If you don't know Megadeth, they are huge. They're huge. I mean, just to give you an, an example, like I don't know the numbers on how many records that Metallica has sold, but Megadeth has sold over 38 million <laughs> It's million records worldwide. They earned platinum certification. They won a Grammy last year. Um, incredibly successful heavy metal band. But throughout Megadeth's career, Mustaine was always, always jealous, envious, hurt, and out to get Metallica. He was upset, and he never fully embraced the success of Megadeth. Yeah, they were never as big as Metallica, and he always compared himself to that level. And what this kind of teaches us is kind of goes again to what we said in episode one is whenever you're comparing your life to these outside forces that you can't control, you're always going to be let down in a sense. And so you, he, he was setting his, uh, happiness factor his success factor on this thing that he just had no control over. And so he, again, we don't know the guy. This is what we've read. This is what it kind of alludes to in the book that he just had a life of an, uh, not contentment, uncontentment, whatever. bitterness, jealousy, yeah. anger, envy. Yeah. About what could have been. And yeah. He focused on somebody else's success instead of his own success. And he wasn't a drummer. Lars is obviously the drummer. For yeah. Yeah. And whatever he was in the band. <laughs> and if you flip that around there, he shares another story of the reverse of what could happen in a situation like that. So the Beatles, everyone knows the Beatles. They had a drummer, Pete Best, and before the Beatles really blew up, Pete was let go of the band. He went on to do a lot of amazing things. He was a songwriter. He was a musician still and had a family and, you know, had a wonderful life. He is known to be a super content guy. He just didn't compare himself to the fact that the Beatles were this massive band and he wasn't in the band anymore. He just created a new reality, a new barometer for success in his life. I guess the message here is be more like Pete. <laughs> be like Pete. Yeah. Don't give a Frank. Realize this is my life. I can either think about what could have been. I can think about what is. Or I can just be like, you know what? This is what I got. And I'm just going to move forward. Yeah. The book touches on so many things. I really, really highly suggest everybody read this book, even if you do think that you have a good grasp on yourself and you have a good grasp on not caring what people think. This helps you really categorize a lot of feelings that you probably are having trouble feeling in your life. Anything else about those two guys before I go on and share a couple little anecdotes? No, share the quotes. I love the quotes. Yeah, these are amazing Amazing quotes from the book. This is right from Mark's mouth in the book. He goes on to talk about relationships. Uh, let me see here. This is kind of a longer one, but this is good. Everything worthwhile in life is won through surmounting the associated negative experience. Any attempt to escape the negative, to avoid it or squash it or silence it only backfires. The avoidance of suffering is a form of suffering. The avoidance of struggle is a struggle. The denial of failure is a failure. Hiding what is shameful is itself a form of shame. Pain is an extricable thread in the fabric of life, and to tear it out is not only impossible, but destructive. Attempting to tear it out unravels everything else with it. To try to avoid pain is to give too many francs about pain. In contrast, if you're able to not give a franc about the pain, you become unstoppable. I think that quote is huge. It pretty much means to experience what you're experiencing, stop fighting it. Because fighting it in, in itself 
is causing you more pain. Yeah, it's kind of like what we talked about the other week with Jim Carrey saying that emotions, things like that, are the weather. They will come and go. Yeah. And you can try to resist it, but they're still going to come and you're never going to fully learn how to handle what comes your way. Yeah. If you try to ignore it. If you get rejected, uh, you get turned away by somebody, you get turned down from a job. Instead of beating yourself up and wondering why you didn't do this or why did they choose this person over me? Am I not good enough? Going down that road is causing you way more pain than you just literally looking at the facts and being like, oh, they picked that person. Okay. Oh, they, uh, you know, my girl left me for this guy. Oh, and it's super hard because we want to believe that we're the best in all these scenarios. But I think that's where not giving a Frank comes into play. You're really good at replacing your word. I'm with really, Frank. I'm really trying. It's so hard. <laughs> my brain hurts. Uh, is there anything you wanted? Any other quotes? No, I'm just, I'm really enjoying hearing your takes on this book. There's one. Talks, okay. Yeah. Here's about uh, love and relationships. Unhealthy love is based on two people trying to escape their problems through their emotions for each other. In other words, they're using each other as an escape. Healthy love is based on two people acknowledging and addressing their own problems with each other's support. He goes on to say, Life is essentially an endless series of problems. The solution to one problem is merely the creation of another. So going back to the unhealthy love quote real quick, it definitely is true. When you're constantly trying to fix things and tweak things and not let things be, you are essentially creating more problems. You're creating an unhealthy balance and things. Whenever you just accept each other and you work on addressing them together as one unit, that's where healthy love can thrive. As far as life essentially being a series of problems, it's true. John and I, have, I believe this firmly that happiness doesn't lie whenever things are just smooth sailing. I don't believe anything is smooth sailing. If it is smooth sailing, that means that something is wrong and things aren't being pushed hard enough or you're stagnant and things that shouldn't things should always be moving up or moving down and i don't believe really anything nothing in nature is stagnant you're Not, either in a process of living or dying or decaying or growing yes nothing in nature period yeah seriously your, yeah your skin it's cells like, are dying a yeah. rock even a rock that is not alive is in a process mm -hmm. that could erosion happen something is working against that rock that is not alive yeah to either build it up some kind of a you can have things growing on rocks not mm -hmm. necessarily building up the rock but it's making the rock bigger it's all in a Altering state of it. difference the, one of the things you you said actually was a, a quote that that i wanted to hit real quick too the solution to one problem is merely the creation of another well, mm -hmm. people might get stuck on that what does that even mean um, I'll tell a little parable. Yeah. Um, whenever I, because I paint houses for a living, sometimes I come in and I do touch-ups from some other painters, horrible work or whatever. Or at the end of a new construction job, you kind of go through and put these little blue sticky notes on all the little things. There's a house I'm working on that I could fix something. I could go back, fix something. And once that's taken care of, you see another thing and you take care of that. And once that's done, you see another thing and you take care of that. And literally you could go on and on and on and this quest to make it perfect. You're just going crazy when the house looks fantastic. It looked fantastic before, mm -hmm. but because you keep on fixing things, you keep on seeing things. And before you know it, like you will never see the house for what it can be because you're so focused on looking for the negative mm -hmm. and the things you need to fix mm -hmm. instead of just seeing it for what it is. Yeah. Wow, that was really good. <laughs> that is good. I'm glad that you made that comparison because I do think that quote is really profound. People, and especially in America, they want to... I feel like the constant striving... 
goal is this, I want enough money so I don't need to worry about anything. I don't need to worry about finances. I don't need to worry about anything. And then look at these celebrities who are having so many depression issues and committing suicide. Whenever we look at them and we say, they have everything. What, what is there to worry about? Well, I think the ebb and flow of life is clearly that good times come, good times go. Bad times come, bad times go. We are striving for this metric that we think is going to fulfill all these voids. And in itself, the struggle is where you find the happiness, even though we think it's the end goal. It's not. That's essentially, if you could wrap up this whole book, that's essentially what it's about. John's pulling up a quote, I think. Yes, he's got, I am. He's got an intense look on his face. His thumbs are moving like a thousand miles. I've never... I remember this this phrase from a long time ago. Maybe this would be a good spot to wrap up. Yep. And I almost wanted to sing it, but there's a quote from a song. You've got to accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative, and latch onto the affirmative, and don't mess with Mr. In-Between. And it's an old song from like the 40s. I say, who says accentuate uh, in a song? Yeah. Johnny Mercer does. Oh. As song on Remember the 40s, Music of the Warriors, Volume IV, 1941. Wait, you mean the movie, The Warriors? Um, The War Years. Warriors. War Years. (laughs) Anyway, I just thought, I remember we were were talking about don't look for the the negative, and in this world we we so often look for the negative, um, and so few of us accentuate the positive. Yeah. Last thing I, I just saw here, and this is perfect. We suffer for the simple reason that suffering is biologically useful. It's useful to suffer meaning it is nature's preferred agent for inspiring change. We have evolved to always live with a certain degree of dissatisfaction and insecurity because it's the mildly dissatisfied and insecure creature that's going to do the most work to innovate and survive. So it's almost like we are created to have this struggle, but yet we are taught to not struggle. We're taught to make things easy and simple. And so stop fighting it. Just embrace that journey. Wow. Dang, I needed to hear this. <laughs> this is good. <laughs> See, the truth comes out, guys. <laughs> I, I we this. do this for us, <laughs> not for you. <sighs> Sorry, but I'm hoping that a lot of people might hear this. And you know what? You might there might be an episode you don't like. There might be an episode you love. Let us know. Uh, mm-hmm. If any of this is, is working, if you're resonating, because quite frankly, Tim and I would do this anyway. We just decided to use microphones. That's true. And record it. Thank you, Mark Manson, for the subtle art of not giving a fuck. <laughs> Frank, fuck. I am so holding them in right now. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, yeah, we will see you on Thursday for the full episode. Go buy the book. Check it out. Let us know what you took away from it, and we will see you soon. Peace.